Hello, welcome to the Whiskey Bench. I'm Stephen Torna. I'm Kat Dwyer. And it feels good to say that. It does indeed. So, what is today? February 2nd? All right, February 2nd, 2024. Recording an episode of Whiskey Bench. Long awaited, long overdue. What, seven months since our last episode, unfortunately? That sounds about right. June 28th was our last released episode. That's my bad. (laughs) (laughs) Not entirely. All right. (laughs) You can have some of the blame if you want, but uh, we're here tonight. We're launching season three of Whiskey Bench or whatever it is, technically, and I think actually in a position to carry on as we did in the past, which is beautiful. So... I don't really know what we're going to get into, I suppose, but obviously we've missed a lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting things that are still ongoing, which is to our benefit, I suppose. It's going to be a wild year. It's an electric year, so we won't be without content, that's for sure, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I have some predictions. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Oh, always. You know how it is. It's just like... Totally. As we were talking about earlier, you know, interest rates will magically go down. Right. And... Goose things. Yeah, They're nice yeah, goose yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Look what I did for the economy. Binomics. Yeah, exactly. Vote for me. I was in Target today, and there was a group of, like, three young dudes, probably college kids... 1819. And first of all, there was a lot of college kids in there. But this this group of college kids were looking for saram wrap or something. They're like they're they're going down the aisle and I just hear them all just being like, What the hell? This shit's expensive. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. Welcome feel, to the yeah, real world. I feel that. So I was like, okay, yeah, binomics. There we are. But as far as update stuff, I mean, there's not really, life has just been carrying on for us, right? It's, it's been. I got married. That was a big thing. Right, right. That happened. Did we? No. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. yeah we we had had mentioned, we've mentioned it in the past. But yes. Yeah. You have been married that for happened. a little while now, which is exciting. Yeah. And so married life for you and work and for me, work and. Travel. Yes, some travel. and Very cool travel. Yes, I was out of the country for a little while. Uh, but now it's kind of time to, to settle in and get back to business. We are going to be probably experimenting a little bit, working on dialing in our kind of, I don't know, what the word, what's the word I'm looking for here, Kat? Um, format yeah our format trying to to dial that in a little bit better make the elevator pitch perhaps a little bit easier to explain (laughs) tighten it up yeah exactly tighten it up and maybe try some other things like video potentially which could be fun i've you know not super used to being on film but (laughs) you know it could be nice I think we get used um, to it. I'll have to get a little more pampered up. I know. That's one downside. Yeah, exactly. Although we don't have to. That's true. 
you know what? We don't have a budget for a makeup person yet, but <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get there hopefully. Just carry on with cocktails and conversations. Mm-hmm. So we are, per usual, drinking a cocktail, gin, which longtime listeners will know we love gin, a gin blossom to be specific. Don't know where it comes from. Don't know who invented it, but I did have one a couple weeks ago at Plonk. And found out that it was gin, St. Germain, and half of a lemon. So I just threw together some ratios and added something. But what we've got is half of a lemon, two ounces of gin, half an ounce of Lillette Blanc, and like a quarter to a half of an ounce of St. Germain. It's very good. It's nice. It's cold. It's tart. I like how tart it is. Yes. And then I used White Lady Gin, Lilette Blanc, and the St. Germain, so it's all very, it has very uh, intense undertones of flower. So mm-hmm. violet and elderflower, and then I don't know what the is in the Lilette Blanc, but it's like a florally fortified wine. So this guy, I kind of get like a jasmine note. Um, I wonder the gin could potentially hmm. have something like that. Uh, and I know... It might have been you a couple years ago gave me a bottle of gunpowder green tea gin. Mm-mm. Mm, maybe it was someone else. And that was, but same idea, kind of adding those tea flavors to the gin, which is nice. Nice. Yeah. But it feels good to be sipping a cocktail again. I, You know, it's kind of sad. The last seven months, I really didn't make any cocktails. No. Every now and again, I'd make something, but it was like, ah, oh, there's not really an event. Yeah. It's probably fine, right? I'm not like sitting at home drinking, but. Boozing it up. Yeah, exactly. But now it's nice to actually have a, a reason to get back into it and keep up on some cool new recipes. And people have been still sending me recipes like on Instagram and stuff. And mm, nice. Oh, thank you. And we'll get around to it at some point. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of ground to cover then. And a lot of drinks to. We do. Drink. Most certainly. So, you know, that's the, that's the brief update. So we're back. We're going we're gonna to carry on. We'll figure out uh, schedule-wise what, what we're thinking. I know at least for February, it'll probably be every other week. And more is better if possible, but it might be every other week. We'll see. To be determined. Uh, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So... <laughs> That's a way to build an audience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you just yeah. take it. Appreciate our yeah, podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Love us for our fault. <laughs> but we are committed to doing the podcast. Most certainly. So there will be content. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm in the mood for Whiskey Bench, so <laughs> this is good. So yeah, tonight's mostly just going to be kind of a talk shop, catch up, figure some stuff out. What are you thinking? Man. I don't know. We can kind of just run through quickly what are the various things that have gone down since we last talked. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we could probably spend an hour or two just talking about what's happened in the last month. Right. (laughs) But yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about that. So last time we recorded, I believe it was News and Brews, and we talked about killer AI drones Mm. and... Don't remember what the second topic was, but uh, since then, obviously, there has been a ton of updates. So, 
obviously, uh, a huge one in the fall was the, was it October 7th? Yeah. Yeah, October 7th attack in Israel, which launched the Israeli, I don't know what the formal term is, the Israeli-Gaza war. The third Infitada. Third Infitada? Is that, have they been referring to that, or is that just what it's going to probably inevitably be? I feel like it just is it that. Is, yeah. But yeah. So that's and that's a charge term, right? But yeah. it is—it's a it, war. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, for sure. So we did not get to talk about that, especially in the heat of it. Well, what am I saying? The heat of it—it's still going. Yeah, we're it's still we're horrible. In the horrific thick of it. And I know I have a lot of thoughts on it, so that's probably something we should yeah touch base at some point, as mm-hmm. far as as detail there. The Ukrainian-Russell war is still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Lots of drama there. You informed me. Well, I had seen it, but you had brought it. You had mentioned again that Zelensky is doing all sorts of neat, fun things. Yeah, officially suspending the presidential election, which was due to happen in March of this year, and there has been a lot of chatter that. And the kind of anticipation that it was going to be canceled. So I don't know if anyone was shocked that it was, although sort of the establishment that's been cheering on and encouraging this war, the establishment in America has sort of vehemently denied that that would ever happen. And of course it has. And now there's all these newspaper articles out like from the Financial Times and CNN assuring us all that perfectly legitimate for him to cancel the elections and there's you know maybe an argument they're still under martial law and they're still in the middle of a war right so you can make an argument for it but there's also a lot of reporting to suggest that he's incredibly unpopular and that someone else would probably win so i'm sure there's a political expediency (laughs) right that's i mean then that's kind of a lot of these things that happen tend to be that way where it's it's you know you're in you're in the unfortunate position to be given the power to implement martial law law and then also have the excuse and the power to not have an election and you know i'm sure he would rather not be in war with russia uh but you know take what you can get yeah so, yeah might as well stay in power well and there's and he's uh so one of his top generals. Well, and uh, I'm sure we haven't decided who we want to have as president of Ukraine yet. So, well, yeah. <laughs> if if America still wants him to be yeah, in power, exactly. then that's who's going to be, be the, in power. Exactly. Yeah, we don't have a new puppet, but um, yeah, he's uh, he's been, and this is another thing that was like reported by um, folks who sort of like have been experts in like cold war politics for a long time and like know that region well and it was sort of denied by mainstream media now of course it's finally being acknowledged but he's been kind of locked in a power struggle with one of his top uh, generals and now there's like rumors spreading that he wants to fire him um but i think for political reasons he he's really just trying to pressure the guy to step down so he doesn't have to actually fire him. This general's name is uh, Valerie Zalu- Zaluzini. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that correctly. Basically, the general 
is pushing for expanding the draft because they need more soldiers. Yes. Of course, the numbers that were initially reported in the U.S. of casualties and loss of life were dramatically undercounted. Oh, cat. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I know you probably have too. I have just, I've seen numbers that people are throwing out there now that you're just like, I don't. People are saying like, like 300,000. Yeah. Um, this is just soldiers. This isn't like civilian right. loss yeah, of life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just wild. The median age of the average soldier now is like in his mid 40s. Mm-hmm. They're literally pulling men off the street and like yes. old men, yes. like men up until in their 60s. And one, there have been a couple like exposes with people talking off the record. This general is someone who actually spoke on the record with Hailing Time magazine for an expose about. Kind of coming to terms with the fact that like the narrative we've had about this war is not accurate and it's far worse than anybody in the West realized. Yeah, the average age is like mid 40s. Some of these people have pointed out there was one general who made a comment saying, you know, men, middle aged men in Ukraine are not the same as middle aged men in like Sweden. You know, right. like it's not they're not as healthy. You know, like no, these are exactly. like these are far more aged bodies than people in the West understand. Um, and so it's hard on all of them and it's like trench warfare and it's fucking gnarly. And so this general wants to, he needs more bodies. So he wants to expand the draft and Zelensky's in a difficult position because it's incredibly unpopular. Um, and like the Ukrainian parliament just last week was trying to pass revisions to basically create stricter punishments for draft dodgers. And that actually failed because there's so much like pushback from the public and like the dirty open secret is that all of the elites both in russia and ukraine like all of their children have been able to buy their way out certainly none of them are serving right none of their kids are they can just pay their way out of it and most of the elite are like members of parliament so i mean these are the people that are making the decisions about who to put on the front line or who to draft i should say so it's a fucking mess and it's not gonna get better it's not and even if we keep funding them, they're going, it's not really even a a matter of weaponry. It's a matter of, of like human capacity. So even if we gave them another $80 billion aid package, whatever it is, they are going to run out of humans. Like they just are, you know, oh, yeah, like it's a absolutely. demographic issue yeah. at this point. And so... At a certain point, I think you kind of have to like cut your losses. <laughs> this is this is uh this is something I've been thinking about. When you are in a conflict like this, whether they win or lose, there's not going to be a Ukraine anymore. No, not what it was. That's for sure. Um, if they lose, it'll be a Balkan state, and it'll probably be split in half, right? Yeah, or, you and, know. and some of that culture will remain, but a huge portion of the Young men will be gone if they continue and and somehow win. Ukraine is going to need to import people. Yeah, and Europe is going to import people into Ukraine. It will be Westernized, which we've talked about before. Yeah, uh, but it won't be Ukraine anymore. Right. Yeah. No. It'll be. It's been fundamentally altered. That's yes, for sure. Exactly. And again, it's a question of like, is that worth it? Yeah. You know, like, is fighting the war worth it if that's the trade off? There are some estimates that they've lost a quarter of their male population. Yeah. That's huge. That's crazy. And it's a small country population-wise. Like, it's not a big place, you know? Yeah, and then just, I mean, not even that long ago, 
once Russia had an- announced that they had uh, conquered whatever that city is in Dom- the Donbass victory, and pictures came out of what that city looks like. Did you? Off the, Are you talking about like maybe Bakhmut or? Uh, I, don't know. I can't remember what city it was, but yeah, they were like, "Oh, we had this victory," and then po- photos started coming out of 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 the city. It's just a pile of rubble. Totally, it's just level. Like a city of hundreds of thousands of people at right. one point. Just right. It looks like something out of like Lord of the Rings. Right. Like some barren, abandoned ghost city. Yeah, totally. Well, and that's like the same. I mean, of course. <laughs> On a different scale, but same situation in in Gaza. You know, I mean, yeah, like they're not just. I understand <laughs> only that, a, a very consolidated area, right? right? Hyper consolidated, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and like I understand that Hamas is embedded in the population, and the whole thing's messy and ill defined. However, th- that place won't be inhabitable when they're done with it. No, you know, like no. it isn't just rooting out Hamas; it's destroying right that community oh yeah entirely it won't be rebuilt no well there's a ton of foreign aid that i mean they're basically fully subsidized and always have been by foreign dollars including israeli dollars i mean that's just like i mean there were reports that just came out the other day about i'm forgetting what the name of it is but like the un agency charged specifically with humanitarian aid to the palestinians and like dozens of people on their staff were have are literally a part of Hamas and I did some see of them that. were like active in invading and killing Israelis mm-hmm. on October 7th. And so now the UN is like, mm, whoops, we're going to disassociate with this group. But, uh, but anyways, but like that, I mean, so that's an example of like foreign dollars subsidizing counterproductive activities yeah. in the area. I mean, that's a thorny mess of a situation, but, but yeah, all these wars, people, it's pretty horrific. And like these communities aren't really going to, I mean, they'll rebound. Humans are resilient, but it's, it's horrific. And yes. to lose like all of your infrastructure, I mean, it's, and they've been talking about how like, we're going to have to, you know, BlackRock's going to invest in rebuilding Ukraine, you know? Right, like, exactly. Someone's going to make money on rebuilding all this stuff. Right. But on the, ex- at the expense of other people and like actual human lives. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that that's the big thing, right? Oh, and then on top of that, now there's all sorts of, I mean, Israel's been, uh, the last two months have just been like drone striking everyone. Right. So that's not been going great. <laughs> no, it's pretty uh, horrific. One of my favorite little doom loops, <laughs> and I say favorite just because it's like sadly ironic and kind of comical, but... So we've got, you know, we've got the hot hootie pirate. <laughs> yes. In the Red Sea and with all of his pirate buddies. They're really terrorists. They're not pirates. They're right. also like blockading like an ancient community in Yemen and like starving people right now. So they're not really heroes. They're pretty awful. But Well, yeah. Okay. So, but let me just explain my doom loop real quick. So we've got these terrorists screwing up shipping through the Red Sea and everyone in the West is worried about that driving a supply side inflation which it probably will at some point it's hitting Europe first because most of their goods go through that channel but eventually it's going to impact the US plus the hoodies are like 
you know, launching missiles at, um, there was some like oil rig that was burning recent, like last week because they shot a bunch of missiles at it. And like, so they're going to disrupt, you know, sort of prices right. globally. Right. So there's this concern about that. And so the Biden administration certainly doesn't want to have prices go back up in any way, even though they continue to rise, but at a slower rate. But he doesn't want to have a giant spike in that because that'll hurt his reelection bid. He's been trying to kind of flood, do what he can to flood the market with like cheap oil, right? Like increase the supply to bring the price down. But he can't really authorize doing like fully unleashing and expanding U.S. capacity. So he's just been slowly lifting sanctions on Iran and empowering them to increase their supply, plus other people, but Iran's one of them. And, but then Iran is using the revenue from <laughs> the sanctions being lifting and being able to exploit their oil reserves by funding, they're using those revenues to fund terrorist proxies like the Houthis, who then do activities that drive up prices. So then we, you know, make it easier for Iran and then they fund them. And it's just this like, I mean, that's like a never ending cycle, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like eventually, like that doesn't end. It just spirals yeah. downward. Just so he can have four more years of his 52 years or whatever <laughs> in government power. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of just a horrific thing. And then when you think about like, you go really far back and you think about when Hillary was Secretary of State and helps topple Gaddafi mm -hmm. in Yemen. And remember when she said, uh, we came, we saw he died. Yeah. And he, he was impaled anally by a sword. That's how they killed him. Oh. Didn't uh -huh. know that. And it was like filmed. It was super gnarly. Dang. Super gnarly wow. thing. That was missed, like, I missed that one. <laughs> but we like destroyed and destabilized that country. And then, you know, this we're is, like shocked know, that there's, see, you know, renegade terrorists. And this is what's so <laughs> funny about being online now. Yeah. Like in the last few years, especially. And like, seeing the viewpoint of some of these like anti-state people and some of the even more like borderline like anarchists that were like you know what Gaddafi wasn't that bad yeah you know why because we shouldn't have worried about Gaddafi and I misspoke he's of Libya but so we can oh. we can absolve oh, oh. Hillary Clinton of destroying oh, oh, Yemen. Oh, oh, gotcha. But she did destroy Libya. Well, we do know <laughs> Libya got destroyed. Um, anyway, yeah. So Gaddafi in, in Libya. See, that's my ignorance. But people talking about these, like, air quote, authoritarian, you know, leaders that a lot of the people in the country didn't necessarily mind. Right. That kept relative peace in their country. Mm-hmm. But then we didn't like because they weren't democratic? Question mark. Well, that's not the reason. That's right, never but, the right, reason. Exactly. Yeah. And then we messed stuff up. And so in the past, I've been like, "Oh, how can these people say that like Gaddafi wasn't that bad?" Because I learned that he was like a horrible, awful person. Then you're like, "Eh." Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. Like morally, I would say like, yeah, I, I can't agree with his stuff, but like. Why did we? Who are we to decide? Uh, yeah, these I was like, things? why are we? And then there's unintended consequences. Yes. You know, I mean, it's the same stuff with like, 
I mean, that little doom loop I just yes. outlined, you know, like. Right, which we've talked about many <clears throat> times on other shows, the doom loop of the communist era, right? Of Especially in South America. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting. But this leads up to then Iran stuff, right? Because we just talked about Syria, but we have been in Afghanistan. We've been in Syria. We've been in Iraq. We're in Yemen. These are all countries that we wanted to be in for some reason. And I know Iran is on that list of countries that we've wanted to be in. And we just haven't really been there yet. And so it's kind of like the, the last one, right? Yeah. Those old timers that that kind of were the, the spearhead of, of the 2000s. They're like, nah, I'm going to end my career in Iran. That's what I think. Well, and that, yeah, that's the last, that's like the last championship. Right, they, they'll exactly. go out on that yep, one. Exactly. They've gotten all the other prizes. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like we've been kind of having proxy wars and power, a power struggle with Iran for a long time now, right? For like dating back to like the mid 20th century. And maybe it's inevitable that we're going to fight each other in like a real hot war. Um, That's a scary prospect. It is funny how we like destabilized Iraq really for no reason mm-hmm. at all. And they were, they're like the natural enemy of Iran and they fought each other for a long time. And if Iran's our real enemy, like why do we destabilize Iraq in the middle of, you know, the 20, the beginning of the 21st century? Why do we do that? Like strategically looking back, that seems like a huge folly. Probably would have been better to leave them in place and let them be a thorn in the side of Iran and distract Iran. Yeah. You know, instead of creating this vacuum that they Iran can fill with proxies, you know, and just like the Saudi thing. I mean, that's the other funny part of that doom loop. The Saudis have been fighting the Houthis and had been for a long time. And like Trump got a bunch of bad press because we were like helping, you know, fund, give weapons and kind of fund and indirectly like what the Saudis were doing. And right. of course, it's off, you know, there's like, you know, bombing and droning and striking people at random you know i'm sure lots of innocent civilians were killed but they were fighting them and and when biden came into power in his you know rapid undoing of anything associated with trump he you know talked about making the saudis a pariah right delisting the hooties as a terrorist organization delisted the hooties as a terrorist organization and like literally in the first month of office yeah 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 and then you fast forward a couple of years and now we're relisting them and we're shocked that they're causing so many problems and global right. shipping. Yeah, exactly. And and then, oh my God, and then you have people like, oh, what's his face? Absolute loser. Sean King. Who's Sean King? He's like a activist guy. Mm, I don't know. He's like, he wants to be Malcolm X. That's my, oh. <laughs> like that kind of guy. Okay. He was going on his soapbox about how, like, the Hooties were, like, the heroes and they were oppressed and that they... And then, of course, you're like, you're supporting terrorists. Who, like, abuse their own population in Yemen. Like, they're not, like I said, they're not, like, these freedom fighters trying to, like, build a community and, like, I don't know, revive their country. They're just exploiting, like, a vacuum, a power vacuum and wrecking havoc. So that's all going on, and now we have senators being like, we need to bomb Iran now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Lindsey Graham is so hot for a war, it's unbelievable. That's insane, Any man. chance he can take to Twitter. And then I was thinking about that the other day. What must our 
like the international community think when they see this stuff? You know, we see like yeah. hardcore like Russian nationalists talk about like that same sort of thing, preemptive nuclear strikes on America. You know, we're horrified. We can't believe anyone talk like that. Well, what's we so, have senators doing that all the time. What's so funny is I see stuff on Twitter all the time. It's like literally some random Russian person that it, it, literally just some random person that's like, yes, we should destroy the West. And then everyone, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, look how the Russians think. Mm hmm. You're like, this is just some random dude from Moscow, <laughs> but our actual senator is like publicly tweeting that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And you don't think that's a serious. Right. We have like a week long news cycle where everyone's debating whether or not we should target, um, we should actually strike targets in inside Iran, in Iranian territory. Yeah. And no one, I, I have yet to see anyone that has said why. Right. Has anyone thought through what what are the unintended consequences of that? <laughs> you know, yeah. like what spiral is that going to lead? Let's us just down? start with the what are the what would be the immediate known, sure, you know, effects of that, right? Because it seems like there's a lot, <laughs> and we've been saying that they're close to having a nuclear weapon, like for at least two decades. <laughs> so, well, we know how so the they probably have one, and we probably well, don't want to <laughs> provoke them. If they have one, we know they have one. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but remember, we have used this before, the the whole weapons of mass destruction thing. That's true, fair point. Right? Yeah, fair point. You know, oh, they have weapons of mass destruction, probably. Right. We know, but you don't need to know. Right? Yeah, that's true. That is true. I, I don't know. I mean, I doubt that they're, like, enriching, enriching uranium for... You yeah. know, non-lethal means, but but who really knows? I mean, the only information I ever get is through biased American media. So now the mullahs in Iran are awful. Yeah, I mean they were beating and just blatantly murdering women in the streets like a year ago. When was that? Two September's ago, when Masa Amini was murdered. By the, right. whatever they're called, like the moral police. And then women were protesting for like mm-hmm. weeks after that, months. And I mean, that was a really brutal crackdown. So, no, I don't have any, you know, uh, hope or respect for the mullahs. However, I right. don't think that means right. that but we it, should but, preemptively strike right. them. But here's <laughs> the thing, because this is, the, this is how it goes. The West will be like, look at how horrible Iran is because of this thing, right? Although, but this administration wasn't doing that. This administration right, was right. unwilling to even talk about it because they've been courting Iran. And they isolated the Saudis because they were courting <laughs> Iran. Yes. And in their courting of Iran, they empowered, empowered indirectly the proxies like Hamas and the Houthis. So that's like, right. again, led directly to this fucking doom loop that we're in. But the thing is, is the West has this like perspective of the Middle East. And it's, I don't, again, it's like, yeah... They're an enemy, air quote. Yeah, fair. And then it comes into the guise of like, well, we need to liberate them and bring them democracy. And right. some of the things they do is backwards, but we don't really have any strong allies in that area. So there's no there's no countries that can work on reforming their, their region because they're all destabilized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we're going to say, oh, yeah, look, it's horrible that, these women are being 
beaten and killed trying to have freedom. So Western values, you know how many women and children are going to be murdered and bombed to death if we go to war with Iran? Totally. Well, again, I don't think it's our place to have to facilitate a regime change or to bring quote unquote democracy to other nations because it doesn't work. You can't impose it. I've just been like in a talk. Yeah. I don't even want to get into democracy right now. Well, yeah, that's a whole other, (laughs) that's a charged word. We need to have an episode about how we feel about democracy. (laughs) I'm not in, I'm not for mob rule. So I guess I'm not for pure democracy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, and also we have this, we're so like sheltered here in the West that it doesn't even occur to us that other cultures don't like or respect or want Western values. Yeah. Right. A lot of them suck. Right. (laughs) Especially our really, our most, like its most modern form is pretty base in many ways, morally. And Oh, yeah. They, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so to think that we're going to import that around the world or that anyone's even receptive to that, you know, or like the, like Ukraine is an example of that. I mean, that is right. a, that's something we've talked about before. Yeah. Like that is a, by American standards, a culturally conservative place. Yes. And to think that, I don't know, like if you take, if you have the American puppet president and you take American funding and you have American corporations investing in rebuilding your country. Those kind of base Western values that you don't actually agree with are going to be imposed on you. And again, uh, is yeah. that the trade off? Is that worth the trade off? I don't know. Especially for like a proud people with like a rich heritage. I don't think that's a good trade off. No, I don't think it'll work. Not at all. You know? And, uh, <laughs> We've uh, we've joked at this before, so I don't mean to bring up uh, the same old joke, but it it's just hilarious because everyone's talking about like, well, Ukraine needs to be in the UN and all this stuff, but then also like people kind of recognizing like, oh wait, they're they're like kind of authoritarian, like air quote authoritarian, right? Like, mm-hmm. but then you have again, like I think our maybe it was the last episode or a couple episodes that we recorded. We were mentioning that, like, people are kind of starting to realize, like, oh, Poland's kind of <laughs> yeah. a little bit tough. <laughs> and then I, I've made the joke before, but then it's like, wait until you learn about Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, in the UN, right? And so it is funny <laughs> to be like, I know. All these, like, Western values. And then you're like, well, they want Ukraine, but, like, why not Georgia? Georgia's cool. Right. Maybe eventually. Well, Georgia's already kind of been, like, yeah, right. claimed by Russia, but. And then, you know, Ukraine, why not Kazakhstan? Right. They're kind of cool. Well, they're two in the sphere That's of true. Russia, right? So right. I think we've given up on those. But there's other that are in play. This is a random note, but Kazakhstan is so interesting to me because they're like culturally like a Baltic state, but like phenotypically they look Asian. Hmm. It's so interesting. Well, the whole like, <laughs> is that considered part of the step? Uh, like yeah, because Ukraine that- is a step, right? In history, like, when, when, like, Alexander and, like, all these, there's all these stories of, like, people going across the steppe. Right. And uh, I think even, like, Herodotus. Like, crossing east Greek to west. Greek Herodotus wrote about the Ukrainians. Mm, and cool. And traveling across the steppes, they were, like, fearless, ruthless warrior yeah, people. Yeah, right. Right? And so, yeah, that's the step. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's always been, like, such a rugged, wild place where, like, civilization mm-hmm. evolves. Such a rich history. 
yeah, I don't know. To think that, like, I mean, frankly, if you look at the the history of humans yeah. there, it's I don't think it's going to end but with it, our intervention. No, probably not. But yeah, let's just. Uh, I don't think another thirty billion dollar package is going to end not. that. But let's just make it some, <laughs> you know, cultureless yeah. European amalgamation like half right. the other countries in Europe right now. Everyone will be androgynous. Yeah. They won't have any real values other than conformity. Yeah. And shallow virtue signaling. Hmm. But they'll vote the right way. That's so. true. <laughs> and that... If they have elections again. Is paradise. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, you know, the best thing would be that if a council of people just gave you one option to vote on. Mm, that'd be easier. Yeah. <laughs> then you know you're writing, voting for the right person. Right. Well, that's like here, you know. Yeah. If we really want to save democracy, we need to limit the choice right. to one incredibly unpopular person. That's how it should be. Step one, limit choice. Step two, save democracy. Yes, always. <laughs> Step three, he dies in office. Okay. Step four, we get a moron. <laughs> to okay, so uh, <laughs> I didn't think Biden was going to survive this. That's true. Oh, yeah. We actually have a bet going with we your do, roommates. We do have a bet. I know I lost. <laughs> I bet that Biden was going to die in year three of his term. Right. Well, yeah, so I guess we passed that. Up the past. I think maybe you said two or four. I can't remember. I feel like I thought he was going to live longer. Oh, maybe so. Who knows? We should have written this down. <laughs> it's an email. We have an email somewhere. Oh, do we? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, it was sent Ooh, to us. I wonder if I yeah. can find it. Uh, I, I came across it like <laughs> That's a few hilarious. months ago. So not to, to be too morbid and, and bet on the death of somebody. But no, I hope he lives, you know. But this is the absurdity of it, where, you, where <laughs> four years ago we were thinking, there's no way this guy can make it. Uh, and you know we've we've joked about it before and talked about it, but can you imagine the cocktail of drugs that he's on? I can't imagine. What I mean, a, that that alone also, is going to kill him. Also, what Let's a horrible, miserable existence to live in a world where, as an eighty-something-year-old man, <laughs> your one aspiration at that age is to just have the most difficult job in America. Go to Cancun. Oh right, I know. Dude. Yeah. Well. Like, that job alone, obviously, would it ages everyone. Yeah. So to be at death's door mm -hmm. and then have this acceleration of aging is gnarly. Right. Plus, you throw in all the pharmaceutical drugs, and I think they gave him a facelift before he oh, ran. I'm sure. You could kind of see where his, like, where his face meets his like hairline and his ears. Uh huh. It's all everyone who was like, "This is a body double. His earlobes right, look different." Right. His earlobes like, do look different. I think it's the result of like a facelift and probably. like stapling. Yeah. But that's a lot for an old man to go through. Right. It's it's really gnarly. It's yeah, like, it is it's horrible. Really, I mean, it's elder abuse. It's, it is. It's And it's like weekend at Bernie's, Bernie's or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of bringing him outside. and It's really wrong. It's really wrong. <laughs> I don't know. The hell are we gonna do? I don't. I don't know. Hey, and if Trump wins, it is gonna be. In some ways, that's worse. I actually think because the hysteria will be greater than it was last time around, and it reached a fever pitch last time around. So I can't even imagine that. I uh, yeah. Amplified. Yeah. And then, you know, the deep state, quote unquote, aka like 
the bureaucracies that don't want to be disrupted are going to they already went into overdrive once and kind of pulled out all the did all kinds of unconstitutional things like drumming up <laughs> fake dossiers yeah. and pursuing you know like you know a year multi years long multi-million dollar federal investigation into somebody on false charges i mean they've already done a lot oh yeah and busted so many norms like think what they'll do the second time around like i just think we are all gonna pay for it by having like norms busted oh yeah you know um bad precedent set i'm sure there'll be some sort of excuse to like crack down on privacy just to get at the people that support him and i mean there'll be in some ways i think it'd be worse for all of us if he won probably you know sadly yeah the his opposition would make life unbearable which is crazy too because like now with polling and everything i think there's just like there's a ton of not MAGA people that are like, oh, yeah, I'd definitely vote for Trump. Yeah, I think like 60% of Democrats, not that they'd vote for Trump, but they don't want him to run. Right. That's a huge, like the well, don't vast majority. Don't want Biden to run. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, yeah, to yeah. clarify. Yes, they don't want Biden to run. So, like, I know. I know. And the immigration issue, another thing that's blown that's up while we've right, been gone. Exactly. Like, to, to a degree, like, we've we've many times brought up stories about the border and- yeah. I mean, numbers last year, I, I, I know there was an episode, I say, I say last year, but it was probably 2022, mm, where we, right. were, we were talking about immigration, and there was record numbers then, right? you know, 200,000 people a month kind of deal, Yeah, and yeah. that's just accelerated. And the most um, recent numbers were like over 300,000? Yes. Which they released on a Friday afternoon, when no, which <laughs> is what they do when they don't want anyone yes, to pay attention exactly. to it. Yeah, but that's actually, I mean, an interesting dynamic is that that is that is driving traditionally democrat coalitions to kind of lean towards trump now yeah like black communities in traditional like democrat stronghold cities are now starting to openly talk about like their frustration with biden there was one quote the free press did a good story on this um and interviewed some people in chicago and like black community members that are you know their communities chronically underfunded and they're seeing like their community centers turned into migrant shelters Mm -hmm. and like they're being displaced and you know whole host of things that are frustrating them validly um and there was a there was a quote from one woman that they interviewed and she she made a comment, something along the lines of, you know, the Democrats have always been a- always been able to count on our vote. An hour she was speaking, like, sort of for the black community. Right. And she said, like, w- at, like with this issue ongoing, they can't count on it anymore. And that is a huge disruption to the Democrat coalition. Yeah. And we'll see how it bears out, you know? Like, maybe as we get closer to election, Trump is so obnoxious, nobody... No one's willing to do that. But. The only hope is that maybe Trump will pick a decent vice president. Yeah, totally. But who would want to take that on? Because uh, they'll be smeared and ruined. Potentially. Now, I think Vivek would do it. Oh, he totally would do it. And he's great, but yes. I think that would just, like, tarnish him. Potentially. But he would, I think even though, like, he kind of went out with 
Trump like bashing him and all this stuff. I think. Oh, they it does yeah. Right, Vivek I think would be like, oh yeah, I would take the position, and it would be better than like you know a lot of people have been like Nikki Haley, and you're like, oh my god, oh my god. Nikki Haley would not. He would not pick Nikki Haley as his yeah, VP at all. No, no way. But, he wouldn't. No. But it's just like you know. And she wouldn't take it. I mean, she's enough of a political actor. She wouldn't want to have her. She will get, be, be nice, on a board of it would something be nice and to make see a vice president that did something. Yeah. Totally, it was that wanted to take the job serious. Because <laughs> I don't think we've had one in a while. No, we haven't. I mean, I don't think Pence, he's a political actor. I don't like yeah, yeah. know a lot or care about him right. at all. But I mean, he was like a normal politician. Harris is, <laughs> she's another one where like they're hiding her to protect her. <laughs> Just like they're hiding Biden. She's our borders are. Remember that? She got put in charge of the border like right off the bat. And she's been working uh, on root causes. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I can name three root causes right off the bat, but that's fine. And I like how Biden's compromise is, okay, I'll do something about it if you give me new unconstitutional powers to have, like, total authority over the border. And I won't abuse it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. like, what? Why don't you just enforce the laws that are on the books? Right. We don't really need to do anything else, you know? Like, not in the, sh- I mean, yes, immigration needs to be overhauled. There's long-term stuff, yes. and I think that we should make it a hell of a lot easier for people to legally w- move here or just work here temporarily. We need workers. Like, that's not... I think we should welcome that, mm-hmm. but it needs to be an organized legal process. People need to be vetted. This last month, there were 19 people mm-hmm. that the Border Patrol, in their monthly report, documented 19 people that slipped through that were on the terrorist watch list. Yeah, I'm sure. It needs to be vetted. And it's not racist or xenophobic to say that. It's totally this is, rational. This is, this is the thing. I mean, we, we, <laughs> we should have a whole conversation about immigration. But, like, everyone that I know who speaks about strict immigration, like, it, one, it's people just being stupid. Like, for some reason, like, the people that are, anyone who would say, like, oh, if you're tough on immigration, you're racist, are ignorant because they think, only non-white people immigrate. Right. Like, and that's just like shallow, cheap right. thinking. Sure. Yeah. Um, but every, anyone that I know that I like, listen to and like and is serious is like, uh, I don't care if it's like a Swedish person coming to America or, you know, a Somalian or a Honduran, whatever. Like, there needs to be a basis, right? Yeah. I mean, you and, don't and have reform, a... Right? It's You don't have a country if you don't have sovereignty and you don't have sovereignty if you don't have fucking borders that you can enforce. Yes. And like, this is this is a really <laughs> un, this is a very unpopular thing. You also don't have a country if you don't have congruent culture. Now that's I think true and that's like a longer term thing that people yes. aren't comfortable with saying, but like um, diversity has its weaknesses. Yes. Absolutely. And that's not to say that you want some like I don't know, fundamentalist like monoculture, but no, but but the thing you is, you can get too diverse; it becomes unstable. Yes, exactly, and that's where people are talking about. Like, okay, we speak a national language, and so it's important that people speak the language, and also just like values and values, right? Like, we don't, and a lot of like political scientists have been writing about this over recent years, and the articles are always the same, sort of asking the question, like. 
how did this happen? Right. <laughs> As if it's not fucking obvious, but like your p- class destroyed it and that's why it doesn't exist anymore. But people have been lamenting the fact that we don't have, there's no, there's no sort of like core common belief in what it is to be American. Right. Right. Or like what it is that Americans value. Yep. Right. And this is another thing too, like so many people in America are not loyal to America and I'm not, I want to clarify what I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying like the, the whole nationalistic approach, like whatever, but there are so many people in America that are American citizens or dual citizens or illegal immigrants that hate this country and they're vocal about it. Right. And that doesn't work. No, it doesn't work long term. Now, I'm I mean, not saying, and I'm not saying worship the state, right? This country should not be no, the state. No, we're pretty right? anti-state. Right. I'm very anti-state. <laughs> but the thing is, when a group of people hate the country, there is no chance that they are going to make it better. True. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you have respect for the country and you love the country to some extent, you have an incentive to improve right. it. And I'm the guy that hates the government, right? Right. I hate yeah. so much about it. Yeah. But I love where I live. Right. And so there's an incentive and a hope to see it become better. Right. But if but if you have no loyalty and you don't think there's anything worth saving. Right. Yeah. Then it's just a dumpster fire and you're yeah. long for the ride and you're right. gonna get what you can while you can. Right. Yeah, totally. I know the idea that you can have I mean, maybe maybe it's impossible. Like, maybe it's impossible to have a nation as big and as diverse as ours and have it be sustained long term. Maybe it's not an option. Yeah, I think that's one of the flaws, honestly. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things, you know, people talk about. It's a blessing and a curse. Like, oh, we want we want health care. Yeah. We want this. We want that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they say, oh, look at. This country in Europe. We've talked about this before. Mm hmm. One, going back to to immigration, especially with the illegal immigration and the system that we have that's already failing, like Social Security, for example. It cannot sustain itself, especially when you have an influx of people coming in. Yeah. Because it's not it's not designed for that kind of growth. And it's already a horrible system. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at things like healthcare, which is what's happening in Europe is that you have a robust, air quote, system that is working, question mark. But as so many migrants come into Europe, legal and illegal, many working, many not working, they're drawing on that system before it can be replenished. Right. And so it's, it is setting itself up for a disaster. Yeah. And then that's, I mean, that's England and France, which are, that's a whole nother topic. England and France are lost. Yeah, they are. It's not Europe. They have no identity anymore. Right, especially um, England. Especially England. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times people are like, well, look at the, look at the, you know, like Sweden and everything like that. You have a society that is incredibly strict on their immigration, mm-hmm. incredibly homogenous, yep. incredibly culturally in tune with itself right that pay very high taxes very high taxes and the middle class pays very high taxes yes it's not just the 
top 1%. It's spread through the And it's the a class. system that is designed and sustains a few million people. Yep. Yep. Yeah. How do you, you can't really scale that like welfare state model. It's right. very hard to scale. Um, and we're not only, so we've got this immigration piece, but also just demographically, the baby boomer generation is the biggest generation mm-hmm. in terms of like actual bodies, right? They're retiring. Right. Have been. They're drawing on our sort of safety nets, like social security. Yes. And we have fewer and we have the population working is smaller than the population drawing upon Correct. the so, resources. And it's a it's a system that already doesn't have enough to sustain it. Yeah. So yeah. And it's and it's being burdened increasingly as more and more boomers retire. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's going to collapse. It will. And then, you know, birth <laughs> rates is a huge thing that too. Like, yeah. global, like globally, the world is like not even at replacement rate, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Well, some, it depends on the Western world isn't. No, most certainly not the Western world. But like, I mean, globally though, like the whole, as a whole, the world. Huh. Because like China's a yeah. huge part of that and they're not at sure. replacement. China, Japan, um, I think even India too is slowing down. Yes. But like, I think, I mean, the African continent is a Africa place where is, um, birth rates are still skyrocketing. I mean, that's actually like, it'll probably be another century, but mm-hmm. they're on a growth trajectory to actually be like a place of, you know, prosperity at some point. Right, right. Whereas um, all these other once prosperous places are kind of in like a decaying state. Right, exactly. And like I know South Korea is a great example that they have like the worst replacement rate mm. in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, China is in a place where they're like begging people to have kids. Begging people to have kids, but also like m- men have to travel across the country to even find women. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, cuz they like fucked a up place there. Where they like yeah. literally there are communities that have no Right. single mm-hmm. childbearing aged women. Right. And that was a government-induced right, error. Right. And there's a whole, I mean, that's a whole cultural talk about, like, why kids or why people don't want kids. And part of it's kind of the Western lie I told to people. Yeah, the Malthusian um, lie. Yeah, yeah, you can put it off or whatever. Or yeah. that kids are harmful for the planet. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the more sinister. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, that's a very common narrative. I mean, so many young people who, and I mean, if that's, if you don't want to have kids, that's, I totally think you should have choice to not have a child if you don't want to but the idea that we i mean it is totally cultural propaganda this idea that child like humans are Mm -hmm. separate from nature and we're a plague on the earth and fewer of us would benefit the planet when in reality i mean you can look at sort of like the history of a lot of different innovations or i should say the history of a lot of different you know, sort of ecological challenges that were improved or overcome because of human innovation. Yeah. And there's, it's sort of the economist Julian Simon's argument that, you know, actually the scarcest resource is really like human ingenuity and we need more smart, creative people to solve the world's problems, not fewer. Right. Yeah, exactly. Also, I mean, this is another, another topic about that is, especially places like South Korea, and I've heard this argument before, it's like, the other thing is, we have built such an industrialized world, these incredible cities and stuff like that, people don't think far enough ahead to realize that, like, in some places, 
like in 150 years, there won't be enough people to fill the city that you built. Mm. Right. And then that causes things to go into disrepair, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about like replacement rate and, and, and population, like across the globe, the trajectory is that like, you'll see a air quote extinction worse than like any plague in history. Because there'll just be like so few people. Just people naturally dying off. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but right. then actual like. And not being replaced. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, which is horrifying. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, when we, when you look at like the period in Europe after the Black Plague. Yep. And, you know, the population across the continent was decimated by like a quarter or something like that. Yeah. Like a significant amount, you know more sort of resources and and like land became cheaper mm-hmm. right because the demand was like significantly diminished and it kind of in some ways it kind of it kind of set the stage for like a new burst of life after that but that was more of like an organic collapse and then growth right. cycle whereas like in south korea like they're talking about a, po- a population drop of like 60 percent. yeah that's insane which you and think if about- culturally you have no interest in having children then how does that ever end right yeah and then you know again that's how countries become not their countries anymore it's like yeah how is there going to be korean people i know that i mean that right? is actually yeah. sad to think of like right. whole races going extinct right and not putting you know and that's not to say that you know, there's a preference of of races, right? Right, right. That is absolutely not what I'm saying. But just as I, I would like to think people are like proud of who they are and their culture and their heritage. And it makes me sad to think that like, I mean, the Japanese are facing the same thing. Right, exactly. I mean, there's whole like cities in Japan, or I shouldn't call them cities, but more like, like, um, like villages mm-hmm. that are literally like ghost towns. Mm-hmm. There's one that this artist, I of course won't remember the name of it, but there's a I think like a mountainous village that um, this artist who grew up there and there's very few people left. It's like a handful of elderly people who obviously are going to pass. Yep. Um, And this one artist has created, I mean, it's kind of creepy and bizarre, but she created these like knit human, like life-size figures sort of representing the people that used to live in that community. And all the buildings are still there, like old schoolhouse and you know, whatever community center and these places are still exist. Like the structures do. And she's filled all of them with these basically yeah, like weird. people, yeah. like, you know, like, I don't know if they're macrame or knit or mm-hmm. something, um, but they're life size. And so it's this, I mean, it's an art installation that's permanent and it's, it's bizarre, but it's also, it's kind of haunting and obviously kind of tells a sad, tragic story. But yeah, to think that like in a couple centuries, if we stay on this trajectory, like Japanese culture will be like the Sumerian culture, like this thing of the past that we don't, right, yeah. that we and, study and, this, and we don't know. And, this, and again, another like some of the worst is, is Italy. Yeah. Right. And you think about like, yeah, think yeah. about the, the long history of culture and influence that they yeah. had. And it's like. This is what happens though. Yeah. This is the ebb and flow, you yeah. know. You got to make babies. Well, yeah. You know? Maybe we're just arcane and we're trying to hold on to something that is an inevitable cycle. Well, here's here's some data that I that I read recently in some studies like mass pretty pretty 
pretty big studies across populations of, of people that wanted children but don't have children. In America, we're at a point where something like, I want to say the number was 8 out of 10 people that don't have children but wanted them. Or, or like, that's where we're at. Like, people think, okay, especially with, with modern fertility science and being able to freeze eggs and stuff like that, people thinking, okay, we can wait. Let's wait until mm. things are more optimal, whatever that means, right, yeah. to have a family. Um, let's wait. Oh, I think I have time. Let's pursue the career. And that's for men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, but the burden's mostly on women. The, the data is just, is just so sad. People that wanted children but decided to wait. And then and so then many can't. not being able to. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Eight out of ten. Eight uh, out of ten. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I know. That's pretty crazy. I know. So I, I don't. I don't know what I'm getting at with that. I'm just incredibly pro kids. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's that. And then, uh, word of advice, something that I'm learning, and you know, maybe don't be too rash, but as far as like, the whole like, oh, we should wait until we have more money to have kids, or we should wait until. I get the raise to have more kids or we should wait until we own a house to have kids. Like don't wait until things are air quote optimal to pursue the things you want. Yeah. Cause they'll never be optimal. Right. <laughs> totally. Right. Totally. Life will continually throw you curveballs. And yeah. also if it's what you want, yeah, you should pursue it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people actually, I had a, I met a really lovely woman yesterday who, um, we kind of had that, the similar conversation and, she was very encouraging and said, you know, like you, you'll find a way, you know, like even if it's, that happens when you're not prepared for it, like you can, you know, if you want to have a family, like you will find a way to make it work and it'll be a blessing and it'll be a wonderful thing. That's what everyone's been doing forever. I know. <laughs> I right? know. <laughs> That's so true. I know. To think that we're like, again, we're just, we're so privileged that we think we can perfectly orchestrate things right right as yeah. if we're outside of nature we're not yeah exactly it's a wild world it well is. we just rapid fired went through all sorts of random topics of yeah things. exactly plenty plenty more of these talks to be had especially about like immigration and culture and mm-hmm. that's i think that's that's important stuff so yeah totally and it's unfolding right now so well <laughs> It's been unfolding, but now for some reason people are paying attention. I know. Well, I'm so blanking on his name. Governor Abbott of Texas oh, started yeah. bussing migrants to sanctuary cities. That really like, and he wasn't the only one to be doing that. No. And also the federal, if you look at like where a lot of these, the migrants that have wound up in places like New York City, like how they actually got there. I mean, Abbott, I think only bust like somewhere around 20,000 people and the federal government has bust many more than that. So this is so the federal government okay. is moving people to different cities oh, yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. So it's not fully on him. However, as a PR move, that was kind of a brilliant stunt to draw yeah, attention people, to the issue. It is so weird to have people mad at him for doing that. Oh, I know it makes no sense. Right. And, and well, if you recall, like prior to that becoming a news story, yeah. everyone on the left was just poo-pooing any concern oh, about yeah, immigration. Absolutely. It was normal. Biden said for years, it was normal seasonal migration. That's what he kept referring to it as. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and then it became now that their constituents are pissed off and complaining to them. Now they're now it's an issue. Only when it threatened their electability did they care. Because that's all it's about. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually another, sorry, not to go off on a random tangent, but that's another point I I wanted to make on the Middle East stuff. We, Biden's foreign policy, and this can be said of a lot of presidents, but like talking about Biden specifically, his foreign policy is so incoherent and has led to so many blunders in, in this doom loop because it is solely focused on shallow domestic politics. It is just about getting through a news cycle. Right. Like the three Marines killed in Jordan. He, you know, and then Lindsey Graham's talking about bombing Iran and all this stuff. And everyone's putting pressure on him to do something. And so then they put out a press release yesterday saying that, you know, over the next several days, we're going to do a series of strikes on Iranian targets in these countries and which is like that's just PR like why would you announce that you're going to be striking targets yeah why would you give them warning you know and it's just everything's so ineffectual because it's just focused on appeasing a domestic audience and even that's not working so it's just a failure all around you know and like at a certain point we have to cut this off because yeah. it has real life consequences people die yes. because of this right and with the with the three americans killed you know and that being some excuse for iran okay yeah you know <laughs> right. okay we made a mess of of the middle east with our withdrawal which is you know we've talked about that from afghanistan yeah from afghanistan and then we still have sporadic groups of Americans across the Middle East that are helping with training and, you know, yeah. like in Jordan, stuff like that. But I had read that in Jordan at that location, since the Afghanistan withdrawal, there's been 150 attacks on that location. That location or across the region? I believe in that Jordan region. Okay. So it's inevitable at some point Americans are going to die. Right, right. Yeah. So, and there's no real reason for us to be there. Some of these bases, like in Iraq, like most of the, like, I mean, the American soldiers are obviously outnumbered by Iraqi soldiers. And like the Iraqi soldiers are the ones actually doing security on these bases. Yeah. So like at a certain point, especially with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and, you know, loyalties towards not Israel. You know, at a yeah. certain point, if the, the tensions there flare up enough, you know, are, are our quote unquote allies going to turn on us, you know, or walk away and leave us vulnerable to attack? You know, we've, we've, right, yeah. to your point, we've, we're putting our American soldiers in an incredibly precarious situation. Yeah, you're just rolling the dice every day. like oh, Right. You know. We know missiles are hitting here, so it's just a matter of time. Right. So. Yeah. You know, did they just want an excuse? God, dead Americans. Now yeah. we can get what we want. Right. Well, clearly some in the political establishment do. Right. The Lindsey Grahams of the world yeah. do. Yeah. I know. The biggest warmongers aren't the ones that suffer the consequences of it. No. So they have no fear. Well, and that was, you know, that was one of the things so many people were saying. They're like, dude, Lindsey Graham like, doesn't even have kids. Like, he has no family. Yeah. Him. Like, <laughs> you have no stake. And... <laughs> 
I just heard someone say this, and this is, it, it can be cruel in the wrong context, but in the context of someone like Lindsey Graham, like, you have no genetic descendant. I don't care what you think. <laughs> like, whatever you're building here is for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you have no stake in, in existence. And the consequences of the actions you're taking now and how yeah. it's going to affect the next generation. Yeah. yeah, totally. I certainly think it's fair to say that we need more people of our own generation in positions of power than these decrepit people who've been clinging to power for, right. you know, what? How long has Biden been in the federal government in one way or another? I, oh, I mean, I, I think, I mean, we had talked about it before and it was like 47 years. Yeah. And that was a while ago. I mean, he was a senator in in the seventies. We gotta look this up. When he was up. bald before yeah. he got hair plugs. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then he went bald again. And then got hair plugs again. <laughs> no, I don't think. No, then he just got a, <laughs> a facelift and oh, that's right, trazodone or whatever drugs they've got him on. It would kind of be funny to just like take a dose of whatever they're giving him and like seeing how whack right, yeah, exactly. how whacked you can get. <laughs> Let's look that up. Oh my! We need a Jamie. This is just crazy stuff too. Because 1972. Oh, nice. Fucking beginning of the nice. <laughs> Damn. Oh, and I looked that up. Allow Google to access your location. Do you notice that? Yeah, all the time. Only when you Google certain things does it ask for your location. It's true. Yeah. You can test it. Uh-huh. Just pay attention, listeners. Yeah. To your search history and see when it wants to track where you are. I need to get a VPN. VPN company, sponsor us. That'd be, yeah, honestly, that's kind of like a write-up. That's right. Yeah, that's our exactly. market. <laughs> uh, but speaking of like old politicians and stuff like that, here's a great example. I think this is something that we missed, right, was when... um. Oh, Senator, what's her name? Feinstein. Yeah, Feinstein. Feinstein. When she died. From the Bay Area. Like a month or two months before she dies, right? It comes out that like, oh yeah, her like daughter was like making all of the serious. Yeah, she was like the executive. The executive decisions in her life. And you're like, but she was on the Senate floor. Voting on things. So. Yeah. Um, Well, the Democrats just needed another body. She was a body to vote. Just like Fetterman when he was like still brain dead from his stroke. Such a funny (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's such a it's a meme. It is a meme, but it is so funny (laughs) to see the memes now of it like he had a stroke, he gets elected, he's like talking like just random democratic filth stuff. And then slowly He's been as like, he recovers. As he recovers, he's like making sense. And he's then like all, all these Republicans are like, yeah, actually, I agree with Fetterman. <laughs> it's so and I'm glad that he's doing better. The traumatic head injury yeah. made him based. Yeah. It's quite, it is quite funny. Because yes. that was such a thing where like, it was so obvious that they were hiding the extent of his stroke so that right. he could get elected. And if, I mean, there was open political commentary about this about how like it really doesn't matter so long as he votes democrat right like we need if we want to you know have a majority in senate we need him not that he's the deciding vote but like Mm -hmm. he's one more democrat vote right to keep their majority 
And yeah, and now he's like kind of turning on them. <laughs> it backfired a little bit. That gross plan backfired. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, it's wild. It's so insane. Well, there's endless fodder, that's for sure. That is true. Sadly. So there's a sneak peek. All <laughs> of the random shenanigans that we talked about tonight <laughs> and more in this upcoming election. <laughs> we didn't even get to talk about like Freaking, what's his face? Florida man. Um, uh, Which Florida man? Uh, DeSantis? Governor DeSantis. Mm. And like the whole high heel cowboy boot thing. <laughs> and just. He just like a comet just spectacularly burned out. Oh, he just. You know, he came he in so like hot. He was like a floundering fish. Yeah, it really was. I mean, from day one when he launched on Twitter and it like uh-huh. had technical glitches and it just was all downhill from just there. Just awful and hilarious. <laughs> Just, I know. It's just it is oh, funny like God. to just kind of see it and like and just kind of like man, he's kind of like a weirdo loser. Yeah. Yeah, no personality. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of robotic. You know, and I think he's like kind of like a policy wonk and my understanding is he's like people governing Florida well, yeah, you people know. Yeah, like him. Stay in Florida. Economy's doing well, businesses yeah. are flocking there, you know. It's prospering. You know, his, like, the don't say gay law, which is not not even what a, it is, yeah, exactly, you know? Yeah. It was just, like, limiting what K through 4 could teach, what type of sexual education they could teach kindergartners through, I think, fourth grade. Okay. Like I, that's, never, that's, I never looked into it because I assumed it was stupid. And, no, that's what it was about. Yeah, yeah. It was about public education, yeah. sex education for right. kindergarten through fourth grade. Yeah, probably just, like, don't show explicitly... Yeah, they don't need to be learning about like trans identity and they don't need to like homosexual or any kind of sexual yeah, relationships. Yeah. They don't need books with like trans sex porn in it. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. I know. And like the book banning thing is right, a whole yeah. other. I saw one of the books they banned, and I was like, okay, good. It's pretty explicit, <laughs> and it's also not really being banned. It's being like taken out of public school curriculum like, yeah, for certain yeah, ages, yeah, and out of like you know little kid libraries. Right. <laughs> You're like, okay. I don't really need ten year olds yeah. like. Learning about, I mean, explicit stuff like talking about masturbation yeah. and watching porn and having anal sex. I mean, like really gross, like gra- yeah. like graphic novels. So there's right. like drawings. Yeah. yeah, it's horrific stuff. Why are they pushing this on kids? Yeah, uh, it's bizarre. Yeah. It's totally bizarre. And that has no commentary on like how your adult sexual life should be dictated. Yeah. Make those choices yourself. Probably don't need to teach little kids no, about no, any no. of that. Hey, you know what? It's have a weird. Lot of, have a lot of babies. And homeschool them. Now that's my plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just have to figure out how to do it <laughs> financially. Right, yeah. Yeah, all right. You know what? It's better to be a little poor, <laughs> but happy and smart and true. safe. That's true. Oh, God, I'd take that any day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't even, yeah. I don't want money. I just want to be comfortable. Yeah, exactly. I don't want a big house. I just, exactly. But I want to be comfortable. Yep. That's enough. You know. So, in all of this, guys, <laughs> we're, we're, we, you know, we talk a big talk, but like, none of this really matters. Like, <laughs> like there are th- there's the things that do matter, like, will be there no matter who's president. Like, yeah. True. Whether or not the governor of Florida wears high heels or not, like, <laughs> whether or not Zelensky is president or not. Like, right. Right. Whether or not Biden's a psyop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So a stunt double. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to blend in the the good and the bad this year. Yeah, totally. Because it's gonna be a shit show. It would be nice to like consciously try to draw out positive stories. Oh yeah, wherever absolutely. we can find them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even just like a little tidbit, like cheerful like, news of the week. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm. I just have like such a dark sense of humor that I like reporting on these things because it is just like hopelessly hilarious. It kind of is. Yeah, there's you a know? dark humor in it for sure. Um. Not to like keep going on, but even with like the Zelensky canceling the election and stuff like that, there was people like two years ago being like, "Oh yeah, we know how this is gonna go." Like right. two years from now, there's gonna be he's gonna mm-hmm. cancel the election, and they're like, "He would never do that." You're because, a Putin supporter, yeah, right? Exactly. He's the next Winston Churchill, right? Yeah. What a fucking joke that is, yeah, right? He's rolling in his grave hearing that comparison. Also, my biggest red pill is is the Winston Churchill thing. Holy moly! What? Not actually liking Winston yeah, Churchill? Yeah, not really. Yeah. He's not a very good person at the end of the day. Well, sure. Yeah. Admire what is to be admired. He's an impressive figure. Yes. Excellent writer. Funny wit. Yes. You want to hear my favorite Winston Churchill story? No idea how true this is, but I've heard it and I've always loved it. He was a bit of a lush. Mm -hmm. Drank a lot. Yeah, he woke up every morning and he drank bourbon. (laughs) With his coffee, smoked a cigar, and read the newspaper. It's pretty badass. Yeah, <laughs> those are the things I admire about He's him. Pickled. Yeah. So he like came, he was going to some parliamentary meeting and uh, and he he was clearly drunk, and this woman from the opposing party. I don't know if it would have been called labor then, but um, anyway, the opposing party like approached him and admonished him and accused him of being drunk. Mm-hmm. And he looks at her and he says, what does he say? He was like, well, I'll be, I'll be sober in the morning and you'll still be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> or maybe it was, well, you're ugly and I'll be sober in the morning. Maybe that was how we right, landed right. it. But anyways, I thought that's that was just, funny. That's Trump behavior. I mean, that's mean, but it's also right, very yeah, funny. Yeah. Uh, he's also a brilliant writer. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't totally. want to characterize and him as a he, Trump. He was, he's not. Know, and he, he was a brave war hero and yeah all sorts of stuff just you know some of his shenanigans as far as manipulating Manipul- world war ii yeah exactly yeah, for yeah, sure yeah. totally um, well what happens but, power corrupts yeah man. that is true and there's a great quote from him though and uh it's my favorite quote from him uh i don't know when this was said if it was a public speak or something like that but speech but anyway i think it's it's uh, there are no th- two things more difficult on earth than climbing a wall that's leaning towards you and kissing a woman who's leaning away from you. Kissing a woman who's... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 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 See? These things don't translate well into our modern culture. No, they but don't. They I can don't. appreciate right. it. Yeah. He had an interesting past. Yeah, I listened to a whole like biography about him and the Boer Wars and hmm. that was interesting. Cool. Being cab he's a prisoner of war like during the Boer War and Yeah. Valiant Escape and all this crazy stuff. Crazy like North African yep. adventures and uh-huh. but also like grew up in like ultra like waspy yeah. or whatever wasp equivalent in England is. Exactly. And like but his mother nobody I think nobody liked was, him. <laughs> yeah, wasn't his mother though Native American? Or had Native American blood? Uh I I have no idea. I think she was. Maybe this is misinformation, but I think she was. And she was like kind of ostracized for her, but she was uh, gorgeous. Yeah. 
and all the women were like jealous of her because she was beautiful and yeah he had like a weird childhood yeah of like being surrounded by like a lot of power and a lot of money and like weird cultural norms and right then he went neglected in boarding school then he got into government and then People like didn't really like him. That's Nobody was, really ever liked him. Yeah, and that was what's weird about him, like actually getting into into the position during World yeah. War Two, because people were like, "We don't want you to be here." But right, yeah, and they got rid of him immediately after uh-huh. the war. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he was a brave man. Yeah. People are flawed. Oh, certainly. And we can't expect perfection from anyone. <laughs> Ex- it, no, expect perfection and then burn them at the stake when they don't right. perform, right? That's the way. <laughs> yeah, especially when they're of a different era and don't match your modern yes, cultural. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, see, I could go on all that. This is like everyone now trying to like cancel Orwell. And being what? Like, he was like, he was like kind of racist. Oh my and, God. Like, that's just all of his predictions. like gays. And I was like, yeah, it was like 1940. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, right. What? <laughs> oh my lord. Uh, yeah, as if that neglects all of his wisdom and right. foresight. Yeah, exactly. That happens to be coming true. So now they're finding an excuse to have people not learn about him. Because mm-hmm. how could you possibly be? Because he was always like this hero of sort of not like the hardcore anarchist, but like the people who were sort of like anti-establishment you know mm-hmm. on the right and the left and i used to find it quite funny when i was younger because i read it when i was young and i interpreted it as like you know a libertarian warning against a, the, an abusive state and then my left-leaning friends interpreted it as like this is what conservatives want right. to do right and then also you know? and then the vice versa like conservative friends being like this is what the libtards are doing yeah You're exactly like, oh my gosh and now, you know, the left is so deeply entrenched in all of our institutions and they are the man that mm-hmm. they once rallied against. They've successfully co-opted everything. Yeah, it's funny because how could you, you wouldn't want kind of your activist base to be inspired by his writings because you want them to be in line with the corporations and yeah. higher education well, and the federal government and every major institution and the news media. Because you're, because they're the ones in power now, so they don't want you to question it anymore. So people like George Orwell are, they're now taboo. Yeah, because now that we're in power, we can't be questioned. So I guess he's a bad man now. Yeah. Another case for homeschooling. You were homeschooled. I was. I actually constantly tout you and those Laszlovskis. I can never yeah. say their yeah. name correctly. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Good clan of people. Yeah. But always I was like, these are some of the most well-read, like thoughtful people I know. And because there is sort of a stereotype. Oh, absolutely. Of homeschool kids. At least there was in the Bay Area growing up. Like we all thought, you know. Right. That you wouldn't be socialized and you wouldn't really learn anything. And that's not what I've experienced meeting you folks and other people. Right. You know, it is, it is, it, you know, there's, in like the 60s and stuff, there was like horrible examples of like kids getting locked in the basement and stuff like that. But <laughs> that I, I, you know, I've never experienced it, but there's something to be said like, <laughs> oh, what a novel idea, you know, or like what a, what a novel thing. Wouldn't you know it that if you homeschool your kids and they're constantly 
doing things and running around with the parents, you are constantly obligated to interact with adults mm, right. and other children. And uh, it works out pretty well. Yeah, totally. I look at my, my niece for a brief period of time had to switch to um, a public mm. high school. In Boise, and it's actually like one of the top ranking public high schools in the state. The curriculum was horrific. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, it's like so dumbed down. I mean, I, I saw <laughs> they had something. We were home for Christmas and I saw um, like a Spanish assignment on the fridge. And I thought it was from my youngest niece because it was so childlike. Mm hmm. It literally was, it had like a picture of a woman in it and you were supposed to like complete the phrase and it just had, it had like six lines of ella, like she yeah. is, and then you were supposed to pick like different Spanish adjectives. So sh- surely I thought like this is what like an elementary school kid right. learning Spanish is doing. That was from her a sophomore year Spanish high school class. Yeah. I mean, it's like pretty it's just, bad. It's one of those things like, this again, this is a whole nother thing about like school and what it is and its purpose. Mm-hmm. People like it is government daycare. Yeah. That is designed to make a good worker. I mean, that is what it literally was created yes, to do. Yes, exactly. And now yeah. I don't even know if it makes good workers. Cause... No, it doesn't. Makes good voters <laughs> right. for a party. <laughs> yeah. Just people value their time. I just, I'm so grateful that. My parents were able to homeschool me because yeah. I feel like so many kids just have their whole entire youth wasted. Yeah, I know. Where it's like you are in school for eight hours or whatever, and you could have been there. You could have done that in three. Yeah. And learning more diverse like, things. Yeah. Right. Like And go, being challenged yeah, more. Exactly. Yeah. That is my one hesitation for like starting a family is... I don't, I haven't figured out how we're going to make that work. Yeah. And all of my coworkers, I mean, it's, I don't fault them for this. I understand like why this is the choice they made. It makes sense. But so many people just put their kids in daycare mm-hmm. by when they're infants. Yeah. And they are in daycare for years and then they're in school for years and like, that's a whole ship ton of their life that you are not raising them. This is, I'm going to say something crazy. I'm going to say something crazy. Ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> it is worth going into crippling debt. <laughs> I'm not even joking. To spend that important time with your kid. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, like, well. the, for the average person, you're going to go take out a $50,000 car loan. But you wouldn't go thirty thousand dollars in debt to like spend a year at home with your new baby, like yeah, not to like judge people, but like to put it in perspective of being like right, right. Maybe that's actually worth it. Where like, are you prioritizing right, things? Yeah. I know it is kind of funny how that, like, but that is it's the most important developmental time, and I get it. I, I mean, it's stinking hard. Totally. <laughs> it's hard out there right now. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. But you're right. I mean, that is a that's a value judgment, right? That like that demonstrates what you value Mm -hmm. you know where you spend your time and where you spend your money i don't know i just hate the thought of like not raising my child right and i would feel 
yeah, I don't know. I'd like really have to know the people and be in line with like what their vision is. Right. And that's, I mean, that's the thing too, going into cultural stuff, like everyone in America, not everyone, but like the conservative movement in America always talks about the nuclear family, Mm -hmm. but like the nuclear family is like a hundred years old. Like it's not, that's not how people operate. Like, it was never nuclear family. It was like extended family. Yeah. Bigger right? than that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's right. Like, no, you, you had like your sister and your brothers and your aunts and you all lived on like a little plot, plot of land and right. Everyone took care of everyone. Right. I know. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah. If we had community, your point. Yeah. Zach, it'd be a lot easier. I know easier. you're listening. Zach and <laughs> Ken and Steve and Kat and me. And, Hopefully, someone in the a future, lovely woman yeah, at some this, point in the future, <laughs> uh, will start a club. <laughs> that I would love to do. And we'll homeschool the kids together. That's actually, yeah, I've like low key kind of like banking on that happening. So right, we got to do that. I got. I'll teach math. And I have shop. some. I have some <laughs> lovely, really wonderful friends too that would be, I think, interested. Heck yeah, yeah. This, I mean, but in they the, were at the wedding. Oh, nice. Megan and Donnie. Oh yeah, yeah. She could teach gardening. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It'd be like a Montessori vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's just it. That's, you know, there's ways to make it work, but you can't do it alone. No, you can't. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's why people get so overwhelmed. Yeah, for sure. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So let's buy some land. Right. <laughs> right. If one. anyone wants to sponsor us right. with a plot of land. Yeah. yeah. Feel free. We'll yeah. make good use of it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, that was a lot of ground we covered. That was a lot of ground. That was just like jibby jabberish, but. It's fun. There you go. A little sweet treat for (laughs) y'all. We'll be back and ready to rock. So, until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Thank mm-hmm. you.